From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. Hey America, fall is here, and it is awesome. Man, I'm feeling it, baby. By the way, where did all the pumpkin stuff come from? Pumpkin spice coffee, pumpkin candles, pumpkin patches, pumpkin beer, pumpkin pancakes. I'm David Pumpkins! Any questions? Thank you, David. Now, I'm not complaining. It's all awesome. It's just funny how it just kind of appeared overnight. But give me some cider and donuts to go with it. Also, some good music and concerts, and life is booming. Oh, and let's not forget football. That's back, too. Now, as a Detroit Lions fan, I know a couple of things. Loyalty, losing, and false optimism. Nevertheless, I love it. So when I hear something about NFC North rival, the Chicago Bears... The Bears. The Bears? The Bears. The Bears. I pay close attention. The Chicago Bears have reportedly signed an agreement to purchase the site of Arlington Park. And this could be the team taking a big step to moving out of downtown Chicago. I mean, this is crazy. Soldier Field is legendary. Even rivals in Detroit have respect for that old stadium on Lake Michigan, right in the heart of downtown Chicago. So why is this happening? Many of the media reports claim it's because the owners see more opportunity to make profits if they move. Or they may have an easier time with things like sports betting. Or maybe generational change in ownership. Or perhaps it's just time. But we wonder if there are other factors at work here. Our friends at the Illinois Policy Institute cover what's happening in the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago. And I just wanted to share a few bits. Since COVID-19, Enrollment in Chicago public schools has declined by nearly 25,000 students. Illinois has $219 billion in pension debt, and Chicago owns well over $50 billion of that burden. Illinois property taxes are sky high, ranking second highest in the nation. And rogue prosecutor Kim Fox is presiding over skyrocketing crime rates. We read about him in the news, all the time. We'll go ahead and link to these reports. Just log on and read about it. It's devastating. Now, regardless of whether or not this is the reason the Bears could potentially leave Chicago, all of these things are chilling and scream of devastating policy decisions. So let's dig in. Steve Moore is my former boss here at the Heritage Foundation. He since founded the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He's a regular on Fox News. He also was a part of the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal. 
Better yet, he was an unofficial economic advisor to President Trump. These issues are right up his alley. And even better, he's a lifelong Bears fan from Chicago. So get ready. We're going to bear down right after this. It's because of support from listeners like you that we can continue to produce podcasts like Heritage Explains and SCOTUS 101. And you can help us keep it up by going to www.heritage.org slash podcast today to make your tax-deductible gift. Okay, Steve, so when news broke on the purchase of land about 30 miles north of the city of Chicago, currently where Soldier Field is, right in the heart of Chicago, I said, I, I don't know who else to bring in here except like the biggest Chicago Bears fan that I know, my former boss, Steve Moore. So, Steve, thank you for being here to talk about your Bears. Thanks, uh, Tim. Yeah, we call them duh bears. Duh bears. Yeah, actually, we yeah we uh, we definitely covered that up and up in the top. And I'm not sure if uh, Gen Zers know exactly where that comes from anymore. But uh, Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, it's a good history lesson for them. It I is guess. Ditka, <laughs> Ditka <laughs> bears. <laughs> we could just do the whole bit here. Yeah. Well, so, so I, I'll tell you one story about the the bears, yeah. which you're not going to believe because. Yeah. Uh, is that I was at the game in Wrigley Field because the Bears actually played in Wrigley Field in the 1960s, the baseball stadium uh, where the Cubs play. And wow. Gail Sayers, maybe one of the top three running backs in the history of the NFL, scored six touchdowns that game. Wow. And uh, I tell my friends that uh, that I was there for that game. And, and people, yeah, you and 600,000 other people were there. <laughs> I was there. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. You said number the third best, but but number one is clearly Barry Sanders of the Detroit uh, Lions, right? Great. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you got to put up, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, Walter. Oh, of course. Well, Walter. Okay, fine. We, <laughs> There's a big debate in Chicago about whether Walter Payton or Gail Sears. But Gail Sears had a very um, short career. Incidentally, just as, a, as an indication of the advances that we've made in medicine over the last 40 or 50 years, you know, Gail Sears, you know, suffered a ACL injury and it ended his career. Yeah. Today, you know, running backs, you know, come back pretty regularly from that. Kind of injury, so you know the the advances we made in in healthcare are sometimes underappreciated. But he was amazing. I think he was well. Barry Sanders and Gail Sears were the greatest open field runners of all time. I mean, I, I, I know you're from Michigan. So. The, I mean, yeah, I would debate incredible. the best ever. But you know, hey, that's 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 your thing. But what? what <laughs> But but you're a proud Bears fan, and all this is is we're trying yeah. to establish the rivalry between Detroit and Chicago, which really isn't a rivalry. The Bears yeah. have a, a head up on the Lions. But that being said, this grabbed my attention. Uh, yeah. It's just an NFC North thing. You know, Chicago is always the weekend city for mm. Detroit people to go over, experience yeah. that great place, yeah. and then get out. Yeah, so it's <laughs> after a, the weekend is over. It's a, it's, a, it's a, actually a. Um, a sad story of Chicago's demise, yeah. um, and it's it's very sad because uh, I really I'm a big sports fan, and I love the downtown stadiums yeah. where you can go to the bar, you know, have a nice dinner, and then walk over. To the, they did it actually right in D.C. where they have the the uh, the basketball stadiums right in the heart of downtown. You, you you know you have a great time, and you don't have to you know find parking and so on. And so the Bears losing leaving Soldiers Field is really. 
I think, a big blow to the Bears. Mm. I think they're making a big mistake, but it's also a big blow to the city. I mean, the revenues from having a sports team in the city yeah. are huge in terms of, you know, restaurants and hotels and, uh, you know, bars and all of that. And it just loses its flavor as a Chicago team by them moving out to Arlington Heights. I, I, I think it's, it's so um, discouraging that it's come to this. But Chicago has so many problems. It's the high taxes. It's the crime. It's the woke, uh, you know, culture there that the Bears just couldn't see a future in that city it's so it's so funny because when you say that um i was watching when it was initially posited uh this this year i mean they, they've been saying this for a while that they they might move but when it was posited this year Lori lightfoot the mayor mm-hmm. laughed initially yeah and i think that that gives she kind of a posture bluff. yeah she called their bluff and that was a hmm. really you know she's been a disaster as a mayor mm-hmm. uh and i don't think this would have happened under richard daly Either Richard Daly, the boss, or Rich, Richie Daly, his son, who were between the two of them mayor for 50 years. Um, I don't even think Rahm Emanuel would have allowed this to happen. Lori Lightfoot is incompetent. Mm. You know, she was incompetent in the way she dealt with the, the COVID crisis. She was incompetent in the way she uh, shut down the city. Mm. She's incompetent in terms of dealing with the uh, with the police. And so it's a sad chapter in, a, in the um in, in a city that is really a great city, and it's losing one of its real um, cherished hallmarks. And, and one of the interesting things about it is, you know, this is a, a, a stadium, Soldier Field, which is owned by the city. Yep. And they put this big renovation yeah. in, you know, 10 years hundreds ago. Of millions hundreds of and hundreds of millions of dollars. And the taxpayers are still on the hook for most of it. You know, yeah, I, this like, is, I this still is I know you crazy. think this is a done deal, but I still think that reason will prevail hmm. and that the Bears will come to an agreement with Chicago. Maybe I'm maybe this you, is like, you might this have is like the rooting for the take. Cubs to win the World Series. But <laughs> you might I have still that hold out take. hope because it's just such a bad decision for the NFL. It's a bad decision for the city of Chicago. It's a bad city for the decision for the workers of Chicago. And it's a bad decision for the Bears franchise. So um, let's let's hope that something can happen at the 11th hour and save the save the Chicago Bears. Now, hold on a sec. So this is but but again, there are other factors playing here other than just the, the you know, your nostalgia of going mm-hmm. to Soldier Field and, you know, mm-hmm. seeing, or, or, you know, going yeah. to Chicago, seeing Gale Sayers, all that stuff. Um, but but at the top of the episode, you know, we shared a few bits, uh, and I just wanted to rehash them here because I think it says something about what we're dealing with here. Um, you know, uh, this is uh, one of our friends, uh, Robert Brutvin from the Illinois Policy Institute. Uh-huh. He kind of he he compiled a list of things. Right. Enrollment in Chicago public schools has declined nearly twenty five thousand students since the beginning of COVID. $219 billion in pension debt throughout the mm-hmm. state of Illinois. That's $45,000 per family, per household. Mm-hmm. And Chicago owns about you know 50 to $60 billion of that burden alone. Yes. Property taxes yeah. are the second highest in the country. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the other issues like you know the rogue prosecutor Kim Fox, mm-hmm. you know, taking the crime rate sky yes, high. Right, it's devastating things. And so I'm wondering, I don't know if the Bears would ever say this. You know, the McCaskey family would ever say this. You know, politically, it might not work for them, but. Maybe this has something to do with them leaving. Oh, I don't, I don't think know. there's any question. There's yeah. absolutely no question that it's not just about 
the money. It's also about the fact that Chicago has become so inhospitable to families and businesses. There's no question about that. And uh, and that's why it's so sad. Look, um, Donald Trump used to go you know, to the big cities, and he would t- tell voters, you know, vote Republican. What have you got to lose? And I always thought that was a very mm. wise thing. I mean, you know, the the cities of America have been run by left-wing Democrats now for the last 50 or 60 years, whether it's Detroit or Cleveland or St. Louis or New York or Milwaukee or Los Angeles, San, San Francisco, and and they, they destroy everything that they touch. You've had some instances where you've had, you know, really great mayors take over liberal cities like Rudy Giuliani of New York. And, you know, you see, you'd see almost overnight the improvement. Leadership does matter. Hmm. And we have uh, leaders of cities now. You know, look at the mayor of, of Portland. Look at the mayor of yeah. Seattle. Look at the mayor of Cleveland. They, they don't stand up to the to the thugs and, the, and the, they're allowing encampments of homeless people. I was in Los Angeles two weeks ago and, you know, you've got needles on the beaches. You can't even walk down the beaches in barefoot. You know, compare that with Florida, you know, in Tampa or Miami, you don't see that kind of thing. So hmm. these these cities are really the victims uh, and not just the cities, the inner city residents are the victims of um, progressive left-wing politics. So keep keep going on that because your work um, with the health of states and cities, yes. and your, your publication that you do with mm-hmm. our friends from Alec, Jonathan Williams, uh, Art Laffer, uh, you you do this yearly. You call it rich states, poor states, and I'm I'm curious if you can share common shared themes. You know, we talked about the the, the bad legal scene, mm-hmm. law enforcement yes. scene, but other common themes within these states, within these cities that are controlled by the left. You know, the interesting thing about cities is that, you know, when I grew up in the 70s in Chicago, it was not safe to be downtown Chicago after dark. It just mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, in the loop area. And, and then over the next 20 years or so, you know, from uh, from around the time Rudy Giuliani fixed New York, you had a real renaissance of big cities. People actually moved back into cities. Hmm. Washington, D.C. is a perfect example. I mean, there are areas in Washington, D.C. when I came here, even around the Heritage Foundation, where we are right now, yeah. you'd go two blocks away. You were in a really, really dangerous area. Um, so cities really went through a renaissance. Uh, and I look, I love America's big cities. I love Chicago. I love New York. I love Los hmm. Angeles. I love, uh, you know, these great cities. Um, and now they're being ruined because <laughs> you've got— You've replaced sort of liberalism with wacko progressivism hmm. that feels like – I mean, who in their right mind thinks you're going to reduce crime by getting rid of police? And by the <laughs> way, there are abusive police – you know, there there needs to be better control of the police and we need to reprimand bad police, no question about it. But hmm. you're not going to solve the co- prime, crime problem by cutting your police force in half. You're just not going to. Yeah. It's a, I mean, and, and another thing that I've seen is – you know, we, we, we don't talk about it so much, but what about these uh, underfunded pensions that mm-hmm. they've promised after year after year after year? They double down, they double down, and the next thing you know, they're asking for a bailout from the yeah. federal government for it. Well, I don't think this- the American people are going to go for, you know, bailing out the these big pension plans. But I've always said the problem with three cities is threefold. It's taxes, it's crime, 
and it's schools. Hmm. So, you know, the taxes keep rising in these cities, and that's, a, you know, you mentioned Chicago's high taxes. The the, the sales tax is 10% in Chicago, hmm. 10%. That's a high, on top of the highest property taxes and, and, and highest uh, other taxes that they have. Yeah. So taxes are driving business out. Crime, as we just talked about. And the other one is schools. I mean, look, you can't, unless you're really, really rich, you can't move into the inner city because you can't send your kids to the public schools because they're so bad. And so the people who tend to be in the cities now are really, really affluent people or really, really poor people. And the affluent people send their kids to private schools. It was incredible because, you know, just going back to Chicago, I, I just looked up crime statistics and it is, it is, I mean, night and day compared to Arlington Heights, where they just bought the property, which could turn into the new uh, Bears stadium if they decide to do that, uh, versus inner city Chicago. It is it is night and day, Steve, and and what a contrast, just thirty miles away. So you're seeing one of the other things that's happening in urban areas here is you're seeing these kind of parallel cities being developed. Hmm. A good example is uh, my good friend Kemper Freeman, who developed Bellevue outside of Seattle. Isn't he in transportation? Is that he's his? a transportation expert? He's yeah. one of the great entrepreneurs. He has yeah. the biggest, uh, one of the largest shopping areas, malls in the his, in the in the country. Wow. Anyway, Bellevue is just. Booming. It, it, it has become a, a twin city to Seattle. And Microsoft and Google and all these uh, companies are moving out to Bellevue because they don't have the crime. They don't have the, the racial politics. They don't have the incompetent leadership. They do have decent schools. You see that outside of Atlanta where areas are really developing that are shopping areas and, and places with um, a lot of commerce. And and I think, you know, the question is, is Arlington Heights going to become one of those things? I, I've been to Arlington Heights. I'm not so sure that that's going to be, you know, the, 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 next, um, the next big city. But, but right. I think these cities really do risk um, seeing their commerce just flowing out yeah. of these areas if they don't get their act together. All right. So you're... Uh, and one one of the reasons why I respect you so much is because for some reason you are an optimist. You believe the best is yet to come. In fact, you wrote a book called It's Getting Better All <laughs> yes. the Time, mm-hmm. taking a line from one of my favorite bands, the Beatles. And you wrote that with Julian Simon, who's a renowned mm-hmm. uh, economist. Who... I was a senior fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. Yeah. 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 And, and um, basically you took trends and proved that yeah. through human ingenuity we can get better we can do yeah, this sure. so taking that logic and you've and you've used it a little bit now what what is what are some first steps to take for far left far left cities um, to get back to getting better. Well, look, cities have such natural, as I was discussing, they have such natural advantages, and they have you know some of the best restaurants in the world, some of the best you know cultural things, whether you're into opera or sports or whether you're into uh, you know theater. I mean, there's so, and in fact, old people, senior citizens, when they're when their kids leave home, they've actually been moving into the cities. Mm. They used to be moving out. So there, I I am optimistic about the future of cities. I I do think that they're going to correct themselves. I think that will come from the citizens, a power to the people movement of of taking back the control of their cities. So you get rid of crime, you get rid of the high taxes, you get rid of the lousy schools. You can't let the teachers unions run the schools. That's yeah. a lesson. And so I, I think that you are going to see a renaissance, another renaissance. What killed cities over the last few years has been COVID. 
Hmm. I mean, COVID was really destructive, and the, the mayors uh, did, for the most part, really horrific jobs in terms of dealing with COVID. Um, but I think the racial politics doesn't work well either. Hmm. The fact that the um, mayors did not take control of their the streets of their cities, yeah. and they allowed hoodlums and gangsters and criminals you know, rain. It was like a scene out of bat. Yeah, it was the bat not memo. legitimate protesting. <laughs> yeah, this was not when they weren't protesters. They were no. rioters. A lot right. of them were professional criminals. Yeah. And so, um, mm. but I, but look, yeah, I am. I, I think that cities will make a big comeback uh, because I think we don't have DNA. We don't have socialism in our DNA. Americans do believe in um, the free enterprise system, and they also we're very practical people. If something isn't working. We demand change, and I think that's going to happen in cities. Some of the proposals and some of the things that have been implemented in cities like Chicago um, are are making uh, an appearance here on Capitol Hill right now mm-hmm. in terms of uh, what we call the, the 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 reconciliation bill. You know, this non infrastructure bill. They call it infrastructure. We call it non infrastructure bill. And I'm wondering to what extent this far left. Very, very, very far left idea, Lori Lightfoot type ideas, if it has a chance to be on the federal stage and actually be implemented, you know, to the tune of five trillion, ten trillion dollars like the left wants. This is the real thing. These people are out to massively raise taxes to the levels they were in the 1970s. They want to reverse all the gains we've made in school choice. They want to um, really hammer small businesses. Um, the family-owned businesses would just get crushed by this agenda. Um, we've How many years have we worked? You've worked on it, Tim. You know, advancing right-to-work laws. We now have 27 states. They want to abolish right-to-work laws to require millions of workers to join unions without their consent. I mean, we could, I could talk for half an hour about <laughs> yeah. how horrific the bill is. Right. I mean, it re- massively increases our debt, doubles it in the next 12 years, um, and, uh, and the tax rates go way up. So, I think in the end of the day, you know, we can stop this. I think we can uh, – We there's the polls are showing, you know, two out of three Americans are against it. The mm-hmm. American people didn't vote for this, by the way. How many people went to the polls uh, in November and uh, said, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. He's going to run up the debt and the government, you know, costs by $10 trillion. Now, I know I know what you're saying, Tim. It's all free. It costs nothing. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, this is the mentality Except of the, the left now, that they really do believe in this, um, this concept called modern monetary theory, that they can spend and spend and borrow and borrow and borrow. And as long as we're the world reserve currency, we can send the debt and the spending into the stratosphere. And that is an extraordinarily dangerous uh, paradigm. And I always ask my liberal friends, okay, show me. Where has it ever worked? Where? Show me one time in history where massive increases in government spending actually led to an improvement in living standards because you can't find one. Steve, I, I am so appreciative of you coming in, sharing yeah. the love for Chicago. And if we could, on the count of three, we can end this episode uh, by just saying dub bears. All right. So here we go. Yeah, well, right, I'm going to say right. something different. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to end this episode by saying, save our country, kill the bill. Steve, thanks so much for Thank being you. here. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much for listening to Heritage Explains. That's going to do it for us this week. However, next week we're going to be back. But before we end the show, I just wanted to ask you, hit that like button, hit that share button. You can leave us a comment or you can check out the show notes where I link to a lot of the work that helped to build out this episode. It's a great place for resources. So please check it out. Michelle's up next week. We'll see you then.
Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.